Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses, also at Salem Unite Church. Just want to welcome you as well. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are overjoyed, honestly overjoyed and humbled that you've decided to come and worship here with us. Today, it is Celebration Sunday, and we are celebrating the simple fact that over the last nine weeks, there's been a whole bunch of us, hundreds of us, that have now completed or are one week away. My Beck and I's group is one week away um, from completing FPU, and I just want to say, if you have gone through FPU these last nine weeks, just I just want to say well done. Honestly, well done. I feel like an 80-year-old when I say this. I also want to say that I'm so proud of you, like truly proud. To, com- to commit to anything for nine weeks is a big deal, and so I'm just excited and proud of you for committing for those nine weeks, and I'm excited to see the impact that will happen in so many people's lives. Now today, though, we're in our third and final week in our series called Influence, and when it comes to influence, we are typically influenced by the people that we spend the most time with, Right? neighbors and friends and next door people and and just random strangers even. We're we're usually influenced by people we spend the most time with and those we are closest with. And more than anyone else, we are often influenced by our parents and our family and our siblings. We are influenced by our families, good, bad, and otherwise. And have you ever just met someone and you're like, how in the world did they become this person? Like, when did they become like this? Like, how did this happen? And then you meet their parents and it makes complete sense. Ever had one of those moments where you're like, now at all the dots are coming together, and I have no idea what this dad is wearing in this, in this picture, but maybe you have a friend that even dresses like their parents, and you're like, when did they start wearing Hawaiian shirts? And it's like, I don't know how this happened. Maybe a coworker like has a certain hairstyle, and you're like, when did that happen? You know, like... How did that take place? Hashtag 1983. And, uh, or you meet someone and you're like, where did you get this bad habit from? Like, why are you four years old and you're smoking cigs? You know, just as a whole, though, maybe you've met someone and they're just really, really strange. And then you meet their parents and it all just comes. <laughs> it all just comes together. I love this picture. The caption with this picture, listen to this. The caption says, my parents just got a hot tub and we were so excited. So my grandma hired a professional photographer to take a family photo of us in it. And for some reason, we all posed with wine and candles, even though we were not old enough to drink. And my parents sent it out as a Christmas card to 150 of their friends. <laughs> Folks, the moral of this picture is that influence, it is a powerful, powerful thing. Again, today we're wrapping up our series called Influence, and we said that influence is the ability to have an effect on the character, behavior, and development of someone else. That's what it is, the ability to have an impact or to affect the character, behavior, and development of someone else. And we also said that every single one of us has influence. All of us have influence, regardless of our age, regardless of our our marital status, regardless of our income, our occupation, our education, regardless of it, all of us, all of you and myself, we all have influence. Some of our influence is great and some of our influence is small, but all of us, at the very least, we have influence on our friends, our family, our kids, our coworkers, all of us have influence. And so again, we all do. And now for today, we're going to continue on and we're going to look at one of the most influential people found in the Bible. Other than David and Paul and Jesus himself, the most influential person, a man named Moses. We're going to look at Moses and his life to see how we can best use the influence that God has given 
us. And so at this time, I want to have us open up our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34. At all campuses, honestly, open up your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. So start at Genesis, go five books in, and chapter 34 is the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. So it's an easy place to find. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 34. And just to give us the quick backstory of things, as we've been saying, God has used Moses to lead and to influence the Israelites, like thousands of them, out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And for 40 years, the Israelites have been out in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. I mean, Moses has been leading and influencing these Israelites, and they've been headed without a home. They've been traveling on their way to this land that God had promised them. A land that would be their very own. That's a big deal after being slaves. And so it's a big deal. And now here in the book of Deuteronomy, they have come to the Jordan River and they're at the very edge of the promised land. And also they're at the very end of Moses' life. So they've been traveling for 40 years. They get to the very edge of the promised land at the very end of Moses' life. And starting in verse 1 of chapter 34, here is what we are told. It says, Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land. Skip into verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I have promised you. And I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Skip into verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 10. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Okay, so again, this is the story of Moses coming to the very end of his life at the very edge of the promised land. This is our story. And so when it comes to influence and how we can best use our influence for God, there is so much that we can learn from Moses in this story. Like for all of us here today, all of us here, there's so much that we can take away from Moses and the story when it comes to influence. And so when it comes to our story for today, we're just going to highlight three simple, simple truths from the story. Three basic truths that we can learn from Moses when it comes to influence and the ability to have an effect on the character, behavior, and development of someone else. And so when it comes to influence, looking at our story, the first truth is this. Our influence will end. Again, it's super, super simple. Our first truth from today from this story is this. Our influence will come to an end. Like our direct influence and the ability to directly impact another person will end. Translation, every single one of us is going to die, okay? Every single one of us is going to die. I hate to be the one that tells you this, but here's Moses, a strong, incredible leader, a wonderful man of God. And even though he lived a long life, 120 years, that's a long life. In verse seven, it is clear Moses died In his ability to directly influence another person, it died as well. Again, I hate to tell us this, but unless Jesus returns, every single one of us is going to die. That's heavy, right? As human beings, I hate to be the one that tells you this. What you have, it's terminal. It's it's terminal. Every single one of us is going to die. And our direct influence, it will come to an end right along with it. Now, this is common sense, right? 
You're like, okay, thanks for depressing all of us. Like, this is common sense that we're going to come to an end. And yet I would argue that it's actually not common sense. I, I would argue that it's not common sense. And how do I get to this place? I mean, just looking at our lives and just looking at my lives, we live as if we are going to live forever. Like, it's not even on our radar. Like, it's not even considered in our planning that our life is going to come to an end. And when it comes to influence, so often we're building up our influence, and we're building up our businesses, and we're building up our egos and our own little worlds, and we fail to even consider our own end. Don't we? This is us. I mean, this, this, is, this is us. We fail to consider that our life will come to an end. And this sounds morbid, and yet the simple realization that our lives will end, it gives us so much perspective, and it helps us to actually live. Knowing that our lives will come to an end, it actually gives us so much perspective in what really, really matters in life. Knowing that our lives will come to an end, it gives us so much perspective on what we should be chasing in life. Perspective and how we can and should best use our influence not for ourselves, instead for God. I mean, if we truly knew, if we truly knew that our life and that our influence will come to an end, what would we give our life to? What would we give our life to? And if we knew that our lives would come to an end, what would, what would we focus on? If we knew at some point it will, in fact, not just for somebody else, not just for somebody who's older than us, if we knew that our life would come to an end, how would we use our influence one more time? Our first truth for today is our influence, it will end. And so that's our first truth. And then secondly, just looking at our story, when it comes to influence, the second truth is this, our influence, it continues on. Again, secondly, our influence, it seems to contradict point number one, but our influence, it continues on. Again, just looking at Moses, even though our life will end and there's a very clear end point to our direct impact, our true influence, it is able to continue on and it is able to continue making a difference long after we are gone. How? In and through others. Our influence is able to continue on long after we are gone. How? In and through the people that we ourselves have influenced. In our story for today, just read in verse 9 once more. Listen to what it says. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. At this time, to lay your hands on another person, it was a way of transferring authority. It was a way of transferring power. It was a way of transferring influence from one person to the next. So Moses gets to the end of his life, and he transfers all that he is to, to this, this, this friend of his, to this person he's been pouring into named Joshua. And it says, so the people of Israel obeyed him, Joshua, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. I mean, for years, Moses had poured his life into Joshua, influencing him in every way possible. And when Moses passes away, things keep right on going through Joshua as if Moses is still there. One more time, our life, it may end, but our influence, it is able to continue on long after we are gone. How? In and through others. Long after we're gone. In and through other people. And with this, a sobering question to, to wrestle with, and I, I asked myself this this week, is what would other people, specifically those who are closest to us, what would other people say about us? Like basically the question I'm trying to get to is so far in life, what has our influence been? So far, how have we used our influence? Is our influence good or is it bad? Is our influence just about ourselves and our company and our bank account or is it for something greater? 
And when people are around us, do we breathe life into them? Or just the opposite, do we take life away, constantly nagging, constantly criticizing, constantly having a negative attitude? And when people are with us, do we make other people want to love other people more fully? I mean, do we live a life of grace, a life that is built on forgiveness that's contagious? I mean, do we make other people just want to fall more and more and more and more and more in love with Jesus? Do we do that? Last week, if you weren't here, we talked super practically about how we can actually do the work of influencing others. If you missed it, go back and listen to it online. Honestly, it was one of the most personal, challenging messages that I've heard from myself. So if you didn't listen to it, go online, go on iTunes and listen to it. If you were here last week or if you have listened to it, I just want to ask, who are the two to four people that you're pouring into? Like, who are those two to four people that you're pouring into? And honestly, if, if you were here last week and if you don't have two to four people, I'd encourage you just to tune out, tune me out the rest, of the, the rest of this time and just begin to pray about who those two to four people are. I pray God would hound you in the nicest, powerful way, you know, just constantly ask you because my hope is that we don't just come here, hear a message, and then leave unchanged. Instead, we'd hear a message, we'd hear from God, and God would change us from the inside out. Again, though, for today, when it comes to those who are closest to us, our family, our friends, our coworkers. So far, what has our influence been? And once we're gone, what will our influence be? And why is this so important to wrestle with? Because it's in and through others that our influence is able to continue on long after we are gone. Now, as we've shared today at Celebration Sunday, and for the last nine weeks, hundreds of us have been going through Financial Peace University in hopes of getting our finances in order. But we've gone through, not to say we've went through the class, instead we've gone through with the hopes of getting our finances in order, to get out of debt so that ultimately we don't have to be a slave to money, but also so that we can become more and more generous as people. And when it comes to influence and using our influence for God, getting our finances in order and staying out of debt and being generous is huge. I mean, it's one thing to say that you love God and to say that you're generous and to say that you want to help people and love people, but when our finances foul our words, it is a powerful, powerful thing. I mean, few things are more powerful than when our our finances foul what we say. It is powerful. And on, on a personal level, what's been so cool for Beck and I is the last nine weeks, our three oldest kids have gone through Financial Peace Junior And it's just been powerful to see them learn the basics of finances and the basics of generosity. Things I didn't learn until I was in my 20s, things I honestly didn't learn until the last nine weeks they've already learned at the age of 11, 9, 7. And and two examples of the impact that they've had is, um, first off, this this week actually, the other day, we went to Dollar General and we got a few things and I was going to check out. I think it was like $8 or $9 total and I swiped the card and bought it. And um, we're walking to the car and my, my daughter says, Dad, was that a credit card or was that a debit card? Went, oh my goodness, okay, I guess we didn't know the judging was a part of this family. So I was getting ready to respond to them, and they're like, my oldest son's like, Dad, what, what she means is, did you pay for it now or are you going to pay for it later? I'm like, oh my goodness, why, why are you shooting at me? Like, what is wrong? And before I could respond, I kid you not, my, my other son, Wilson, he said, Dad, have you ever heard of a thing called interest? And I'm like, Yes! I got a business degree. Any more questions? I'm like, who are these kids? All I want to do is get my $8 worth of stuff from Dollar General. And I got like, you know, but it was, it was, I was like, oh my goodness, what in the world's going on? The other example is an FPU. It encourages parents to start a chore chart. And so a few months back in the Weber household, we got this whiteboard and there was all these chores that you can do. And 
I didn't really feel convicted until I stood in front of all of you. In the Weber household, you can make $4 a week if you do all your chores. There's probably some better employers than the Weber family. But so you, you can make $4 and payday is every Saturday. They encourage you, make it consistent like, like businesses would do. And so we pay on Saturdays. So we got the kids together though and we shared this plan with them. And we told them we were going to start paying them for their chores. That what they do, which they thought they w- was awesome. And then we said, each Sunday when you're, when you're paid, though, or each Saturday when you're paid, though, the very first thing that mom and dad are going to ask you to do is that you would tithe and that you would give, give back to God in some way, that you just, you, you just do that. And they weren't excited about that. They were like, why? Like, why would we do such a thing? I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, so we started doing this like a few months back. And it's been powerful just to see them get their, their $4 each Saturday. Um, but it's been really cool just to see their generosity. Um, we have this little place on our, on our, in our kitchen just on the counter where they put their money. And when they, get, when they get paid, they come and put their money on it. It's been powerful just to see them be generous. Um, but specifically with my son Wilson, our little Ethiopian, the first few weeks he got paid, he was given double what he was supposed to give. And so I said, Wilson, you don't need to give that much. You're actually, you're, you don't, you're giving like double or triple the amount. And he said, Dad, I know I want to give this. And I was like, what in the world? And uh, his sister only gets paid $2 a week because she usually doesn't do all the chores. Maybe don't hire her if you're looking to hire <laughs> Wilson, though. Wilson, every single chore. I mean, he is, he is checking his box. But just to see him give, and he gets paid $4, and he's given double, triple the amount of what he's supposed to give has been powerful for Beck and I. It's been challenging for Beck and I. It's also been contagious for, for Beck and I. And even away from this giving on Saturdays, oftentimes there's been a few times during the week they'll see a need of somebody and they'll just ask Beck and I, like, can we give our money towards that? Can we, like, can we help this person? It seems like they need help. Can we be more generous? And so again, today we're celebrating um, the, the end of FPU. But personally, I'm just so grateful for the impact these nine weeks have had on Beck and I, these nine weeks have had on our kids, the impact that these nine weeks have had on hundreds of us have gone through FPU. And it's amazing to think about the influence and impact that these nine weeks will have in, in the days to come. And I'm not talking about on our lives instead. I'm talking about the impact and influence that it will have in and through our lives. The hundreds of people who have gone through who 20 years from now, there will be a son of ours that's just, it's like a normal thing. You see someone in need, then you write a check. You see someone who needs help, then it's your duty and it's your responsibility to help them. You see something that you can do, then you need to go do it. You get paid, you handle your money well, and you use all of it as much as you possibly can for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Um, and so I just, it's been amazing to see God change lives and the ripple effect is gonna, is, is gonna be awesome. I just know it. And again, even from my own kids, just the normalcy of generosity is something I pray for our house that it would just be, it'd be, it'd be a normal thing awesome thing, though, just to come and celebrate. Now, again, though, just looking at Moses, we've said that our influence will end, that our influence will continue on. And then lastly, and the most important truth for today is this, and it's really, really simple, chase faithfulness, not influence. Again, probably one of the most important points of this whole series is is chase faithfulness, not influence. I mean, when it comes to influence and being used by God to impact and influence others, chase and pursue faithfulness, not influence. And now I'll just say it for us. This might seem backwards, right? I mean, right now we're in a three-week series called Influence. It's not a three-week series called Faithfulness. And now you're telling me to not chase influence? Yes, I am. To be clear, influence is important. 
But by chasing influence, hear this, we will never actually get it. By chasing influence, we will never actually get it. Instead, if we truly want influence that comes from God himself, chase and pursue and run after faithfulness. You want influence, you chase after it, you'll never get it. You chase faithfulness, God will give you his influence. I mean, get this, Moses, God used Moses to lead into influence the Israelites out of slavery and into the wilderness. And they're out in the wilderness for 40 years. They spent 40 years traveling on their way to the promised land. For us, 40 years is 1978. That's a long time to drive anywhere, let alone walk anywhere, only to get to Wally World and not be able to go into Wally World. I mean, as we read earlier, they got to the very edge of the promised land. And what did the Lord tell Moses? What did he say? He said, Moses, I have now allowed you to see this land with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. You've been traveling since 1978. I know you have. I'm going to let you see the land, but you will never actually enter. You see, the truth is, like Moses, we might never actually get to experience the impact of our influence. In this life, we may never, ever get to experience the impact and the results of our our influence. And what does this mean? It means that we might pray for someone, and we might pour into someone for years, our entire lives, hoping that they'd come to know Jesus, praying for our brother, praying for our husband, praying for our wife, praying for our mom and our dad. Faithfully, since 1978, we might pray for them, and yet we might never, ever see God change their lives. Wow, right? What, is it, what does it mean for us? It means that we might faithfully work our butts off for years, clocking in and clocking out, faithfully serving, faithfully being a great employee, and yet we might never, ever get the promotion we wanted. What, what does this mean? It means that we might feel like where we are in life is completely meaningless, and we want to influence a bunch of people, and we want to be used for something big, and yet we might never, ever, ever get to be used for something that we ourselves think is really big. One more time, like Moses, we might never get to experience the impact of our influence. But listen to this, and this is awesome. I mean, God never got, Moses never got to experience the promised land. Moses never got to experience the promised land, which as a a friend of Moses, I'll just say it for him, that sucks. That sucks, and you'll find out in other places in the Bible, it sucked for Moses too. He actually says it. He complained he never got to go in. That sucks. Some things in life just suck, don't they? But listen to what he did get. Verse 10, one more time. Verse 10. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I mean, get this. Moses didn't get to experience the promised land, but at the time... He was the only prophet and the only person who got to know the Lord face to face. And I don't know about you, but that is truly awesome. Awesome. See, the truth is, and don't miss it, Moses didn't chase influence. And he didn't chase trying to make a name for himself. Instead, he chased and he faithfully pursued pursued his God and knowing God and having an intimate face-to-face relationship with God. That was his reward. Moses chased faithfulness, not influence, and his reward was getting to know God face to face, but as a result of his faithfulness, don't miss this either, God used Moses to influence how many people? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people for God. 
I mean, as a result of faithfulness, God gave Moses influence. That's awesome. Moses didn't set off for influence. He sought off for faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. He got to see God and have a relationship with God face to face. And as a result of his faithfulness, he, gave, he got influence from God, one of the most influential people in the entire Bible. That's awesome. One more time, when it comes to influence and being used by God to impact and influence other people, run, pursue, sell your house, chase after, do anything you can to run after faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Now, to close things up today, I want to introduce you to a lady named Henrietta Mears. Now, all of our campuses, has anyone ever heard of Henrietta? Sir Toma, you heard of Henrietta? Okay, I can't. It's okay, that's awesome. Didn't see. <laughs> but... I'd never heard of Henrietta until this week either. Henrietta, she was born in 1890 up in Fargo, North Dakota. She lived in Minneapolis where at the age of seven she became a Christian. Um, At a young age she struggled with blindness and her physician actually told her if she went to school to become a teacher, she would go blind. And basically she said, well, then I'll go blind for Jesus and God will still use me. She became a teacher. She taught until the age of 38. At the age of 38, she started helping with a Sunday school program at her church in California where she would faithfully and quietly serve for years. Faithfully and quietly serve in Sunday school. Starting at 38, she'd faithfully serve. And so why am I mentioning Henrietta? Well, get this. The Sunday school program that she faithfully served at, she grew from 400 kids and young adults to over 6,500 kids and young adults. Faithful serving. Just faithful, quiet serving. You might say, okay, that's great. You had those numbers. Well, did it actually impact any of those people? Let's believe that hundreds of kids, men and women, came through her Sunday school course and ended up in full-time ministry. Hundreds and hundreds of guys and gals just being raised up through her, end up becoming full-time missionaries, full-time pastors, full-time people influencing others. But even more than those numbers, I'm guessing there's a few of the names that Henry, Henry had an influence that you've maybe heard of. One of those guys is a guy named Jim Rayburn. I'd never heard Jim's name before this week. Jim is the person who would end up starting a ministry called Young Life. And I'm guessing across our campuses, there's a whole bunch of us who are impacted by Young Life ourselves. Young Life every single week impacts thousands of high school kids. Again, I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of us who came to know Jesus through Young Life. You you weren't a part of Young Life? Well, here's another guy that Henry had influenced, a man named Bill Bright, the person who would start a ministry that would impact thousands of college kids known as Camps Crusade for Christ. This crew, a ministry that to this day is impacting thousands of college kids. It's also bringing the gospel to, to tribes and people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. That's pretty awesome. This week for myself, I thought about this. Henrietta impacted Bill Bright, who would indirectly impact a freshman in college at the University of North Dakota named Becky Spar. My wife. That came to Christ through Camp Crusade. Changed her life. Lastly, another man that Henrietta impacted. You maybe heard of him. His name's Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this I doubt if any woman outside my wife and my mother had such a marked influence on my life. Faithful. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. God just gives her more influence. More influence. Just faithfulness. 
one more time when it comes to influence and having influence. Just run after faithfulness. Everything you've got. Just like men, just like you do with your business, you'd be wanting to sell your kids someday for that. Women, just like the same thing. Like, man, we'll just run and pursue everything we have. Just faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly King, we come before you grateful for who you are. We're thankful for the people who have influenced us to come to know you, Father. I know in my heart of hearts, I long for influence, Lord. I long. There's some nights I can't sleep because I just long to tell a few more people about your son Jesus and the hope and and grace and kindness found in him. But God, for all of us, regardless of where we are, you're saying, instead of influence, just chase faithfulness. Just pursue me. Just run after me. And I'll give you all the influence you need. Lord, we celebrate today Financial Peace University. I'm so grateful for the impact it's had on us already. I pray that these changes would be permanent, Lord. That we'd no longer be the same when it comes to our finances and how we use them. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.